0: Hello and welcome to Young and Sober, the podcast where we discuss what it means to get sober under the age of 30 and stay sober. If you're sober, sober curious or just curious, you've come to the right place. Any discussion here is the experience of the individual and should not be taken as the stance of AA as a whole.
1: Welcome to episode 49. This week we'll be chatting to Miles about being young, sober and working step eight. Miles, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing great. Cheers. Yeah. Lovely Saturday morning here with a big cup of tea. What could be what could be finer?
1: I don't think much could be. Uh, Dan how about you? What's going on?
0: Yeah good thanks. Uh, Good Saturday so far. I did something rare. I worked out this
1: morning so feeling quite positive. Oh wow that's amazing. Do you know I was sat with a Chinese takeaway last night talking to my sister going I've been for one run since I moved here and she kind of looked at me a bit baffled and I've lived here now for about 14 months. So yeah, well done to you Dan. Before we start, we have a question from our listener, Janie, and she says, I've been in AA for about six months now and I haven't had a relapse. I hear a lot about relapses and meetings and I really struggle to relate. How can I help deal with this and feel more part of the meetings that I'm in? Miles, I wonder what your experience is with this. So in terms
2: of, in terms of relating to, I think the, you know, what, what we kind of had a brief chat about before was this idea of struggling with the shame of coming back and the potential for judgment. And I think the way to relate to that is, you know, thinking in the same way as, as the, like I, would, I would have any other kind of shame in a meeting like I can uh, you know having been sober for a while I can think of myself as having like a certain position in a a, which is which is nonsense it's you know it's non-hierarchical and and this idea that if I have you know not prayed for a while or if I'm just like feeling a bit mad that you know something will will get in the way of me sharing that particularly with people I'm close to in in a meeting and, and the fact is like that is just that is just part of being an alcoholic being in recovery we will go go through ebbs and flows and and sharing that not only is necessary for my recovery but is also helpful to to other people
1: and dan what about yourself buddy
0: yeah it's, it's really interesting so i've been in uh for five years now and by the grace of God, higher power, whatever you like to call it, and working the program, I've, I've not relapsed since my first meeting, and I, I Miles, was laughing with your answer of, like, you know, ra- laughing by relating of the idea that I have a hierarchy, right, like, oh, I've, I've been here five years, I'm, I'm established, people know me, and, you know, um, it's all in my head, right, we're all equal. We're all trusted servants when we hold commitments. For me, I the way I related, I remember early in I was in a meeting and literally everybody shared about having relapsed. And I was the only person who hadn't relapsed. And it felt like a lot of times if you're in a meeting and maybe you didn't do drugs and everybody's sharing about drugs or everybody's sharing about this. For me, it's just a yet. And I think it's really important to remember the yet, which was a concept that was introduced to me really early in my recovery. Like, don't talk about what you won't do or haven't done, talk about what you haven't done yet. Like talk about the fact that all it takes is one thing to change. And so then when you, like, for me, when I listen to people's shares about what they've done, whether or not it's a relapse of alcohol or other substances or cross addictions or whatever it may be, to me, that's all yet, And that's how I keep it in. And I think about the yet's that I had and what I crossed. And that's kind of how I frame and relate to somebody kind of miles exactly what you were saying saying around that that shame that concept so
2: it's also just just reminded me that i was in a meeting not long ago like within within the last few months as i was i was kind of you know uh, negotiating the transition back into into live meetings and the the chair it was a situation where the chair had been booked for the meeting it was a it was someone who was a regular at that meeting and in between being asked to do the chair and the date coming up, they'd relapsed, and they they went ahead and did it, and it, it was it was one of the one of the more powerful chairs I've, I think I've ever heard, and 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 absolutely what I needed to hear at that time, because although you know in the in the time that I've been sober and in recovery, I've I've not relapsed either. This person traced. Everything that they did leading up to that, and like, I, you know, I relate to too much of that, and it was it was a real it was a real kind of wake up, and and resulted in, in me actually changing changing up a lot of what I was doing at the time, and so so helpful uh, to me.
1: Yeah, I, I relate to everything you guys have said, and um, especially the yes, you know, I I heard something a couple of years ago in a men's meeting, and the story was that a friend of mine, an Irish guy. He'd gone back to Ireland from Singapore, see his family and gone to a meeting. And he'd heard this little old Irish lady share about all her yaks, you know? And then what she then said, and it's something that's changed the course of my recovery hearing it, is I was alcoholic enough for me. And what that means is I'm alcoholic enough for me to get treatment. I'm alcoholic enough for me to come to meetings, to do the steps, to do our method of recovery, you know? And I guess that just reminded myself that for me, I, I also have not relapsed since my first meeting, but before I came to AA, I tried to stop drinking many times and could not stay stopped, you know? I could stop, but I never stayed stopped on my own, and only since engaging with AA have I been able to maintain any length of sobriety. And knowing that, you you know, I hear it a lot in the rooms, you know, if you go back out, it's where you left it, you know? Your drinking is where you left it. Um, and for me, um, the listeners of the podcast will begin to know my story as we do these episodes more and more, Dan and I, and anyone who knows me in meetings, I came in after a suicide attempt, you know? So if my drinking goes back to where it was when I came into AA at 21, you know, and I'm three and a half years later now, 25 years old, uh, I'd be buggered, you know? I don't need to relapse to test it. And, you know, that the, the last thing that I'll say on this is listening to people who have relapsed, it's really important for me to identify their process of relapse you know a friend of mine out in LA he says that picking up the drink is the end of the relapse it's actually the the whole process leading up to it stopping meetings stopping praying stopping phone calls that is the process of the relapse and then for me it's really important to identify that stuff starts to happen in my life you know before we finish up has anyone else got anything they'd like to say on on this
0: yeah just to echo and kind of for the listener that wrote in the question, kind of what Josh and Miles were saying there. I think the most important thing for me whenever I hear a relapse is that I don't want to say like all the time I listen twice as hard, but when somebody comes back in from a relapse, there's so much you can learn there. Like there's so much, you know, and there's this thing, some people will be like, you know, and it's a little too far for me, but in meetings, some people will say, oh, thank you for like sharing. Thank you for your relapse. It helps keep me sober. I'm like, I'm not going to thank somebody for the relapse, but I understand the sentiment. And so if you're struggling to relate to the relapse, use it to learn lessons. Like how Miles was saying that chair was able to spot it out. Josh is saying it starts way before you pick up that drink. Whether or not that's a one day span or a six month span, people will talk and trace it back. Especially when it's a relapse, when somebody had a lot of time. There's that early in relapsing that you see. But then also like I've been at meetings where people 14, 20, 30 years sober relapse. And you listen to that. And you get so much to to learn from. So even if you don't identify, it may be an opportunity where you just listen and try to soak in and learn from it.
1: Thank you both so much. Um, I wish. You, Janie, all the best of luck um, in your continued sobriety. And um, today uh, we're talking about step eight with Miles. But before we get into our topic, I wonder, Miles, if you'd like to introduce yourself to the podcast, tell us a little about yourself and your recoveries. Sure.
2: Hi, my name is Miles. I'm an alcoholic. I am one of those people who I think I think I've had an idea, more or less, for my whole life that I had that I was alcoholic. You know, I I had a parent in recovery for for the whole time growing up and from the you know from from those <laughs> early early behaviors like it was it was kind of spotted in me the ism and it once I once I started drinking you know in my early teens it was it was just very clear and there's a lot of stuff that that looking back on it now were were symptoms of, the, of alcoholism that the, that I wouldn't have recognized but but I did know well enough to To hide from people, you know, I remember describing to a friend that, that feeling that you get once once all the drinks have run out, you know, and because you're a teenager, you can't get hold of anymore. And this kind of frustration and anger comes up in you. And he just looked at me with a completely blank, blank expression, no relation at all to to that, that feeling. But but it was something that I felt so so strongly. You know, once I once I started, I, I had this real real strong compulsion, and and the idea of, of of sobering up was was just something so so difficult and painful. And and so, I drank like as a just as a binge drinker through my teens, and I was terrified of it. Like you know, I I knew that I would I would either die or have to get sober at some point, and 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 through that drinking, those seemed like equally unfavorable options. But as my as my teens progressed, the blackouts got close closer and closer together. I upset more and more people. Started to you know, interact with the police on a, on a, on a more, you know, more regular basis. And eventually when I was 20, I was at a friend's house party and we were up on the roof and I was in blackout and I fell through a skylight about 10 feet, apparently fell out then of a fire escape as a stranger's house. And then, you know, as, as I was having my blood t- pressure taken by paramedics afterwards, I hit one of them. And so I was arrested, but I was taken to hospital rather than rather than to jail. And I came to, and the doctors told me what what had what had happened and what I'd done. And yeah, I just thought game over. And I was so lucky that I had that connection to AA already, having a, having a parent in the rooms. I was persuaded to to go to a meeting, which was the the young the young the Richmond young people's meeting, which was in its third week. It it had just started when I went along, and they were doing step three i had no idea what everyone was talking about but but the 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 person doing the chair said that he had to to carry on smoking weed and that had always just led him back into drinking <laughs> which was annoying to me at the time because that was my plan i was like that was never really a problem for me you know that was my thinking at the, at the time i never you know i never blacked out from smoking weed i never damaged anything i never tried to fight anyone i never got Beaten. well yeah anyway the consequences were not as bad suffice to say and and so I thought that would be fine you know that would that would be how I would manage and there was something about the way that that guy spoke it's completely I just completely believed everything he said and there was there, there seemed to be this sort of insight and and ease and honesty that I figured couldn't couldn't be just someone talking you know, this had to be like a prepared script that that he learned and memorized. But you know, over the over the next few days, I heard a lot of people talking in a similar way, and that was really appealing to me. But the the most important thing was that after that meeting, someone bought me a cup of tea at the the Nando's around the corner and told me where the where a meeting was the next day, and and that meeting was went on to be just a huge, huge part of my early recovery. You know, I made, I made some of the, some of the closest friendships that I've got in that meeting. That's where I got my first service position. It's, it, it's moved, it's moved now a Thursday night, I think it was on, on a Tuesday initially. And it's always, it's always lovely to drop back into there. But that's, yeah, that's the, <laughs> that's the gist of it. I'm now nine years sober living down in Brighton and and yeah thrilled to be here
1: thanks so much Miles for sharing with us about how you came in and everything and just fantastic to hear about your recovery so far this week we're talking about step eight which for the listener is made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all Miles lots of people do the steps differently and things like that I wonder what was your experience of the first time you went through step eight
2: sure yeah I mean well, step, step eight is, a, is an interesting one because in my experience I the, the way that I have viewed going through the steps is that you know I, I went through them and then incorporated them into a, a continuous process right but part of that is that step eight then kind of gets absorbed into step 10, which means that that a lot of my kind of experiences that I think of as directly associated with step eight are from the from the first couple of years of, of my sobriety when when I initially made that list. And it and it is something that that is part of my continued process you know i i watch out for for having harmed having harmed people and and you know where and how to make amends because that's that that can be a really a really tricky part of it you know doing the work of you know without 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 talking about step nine too much Doing the work of what exactly was the harm that i caused and And what does making amends for that look like? And a lot of mine were to do with the people I had either either held at a distance or cut off entirely as a result of shame around my drinking. You know, and, and of course there was the paramedic that I hit. There was the person skylight that I broke. There was, there were in, incidents, incidents like that. Um, and when and, and one, one of those was, I had a really close friend. Someone I was very close to at college, you know, part of, part of the, the sort of core friendship group that I was in. And one night I was just at, at her house, with a with a few friends and you know but everyone was drinking but of course I drank to black out because that's just what I did and that that was the purpose of drinking for me was to was to kind of put myself on autopilot and 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 just cross my fingers for for minimum destruction which which wasn't what happened um on this this one night because I I tipped a big glass of water onto her laptop and then just just calf you know she she moved away to to America and and I just I just I just ended the ended the the friendship out of out of shame you know just just didn't didn't reach out (sighs) apart from like a you know a a very half-hearted apology which which someone else had prompted me to make at the time and the way that, that 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 shook out was i sent her a message and she moved to moved to new york i was living in london and i said it it would be great to meet up and speak in person next time you're um in the uk thinking that i would then have six months a year to to prepare for this and she replied great i'm gonna be over on thursday and I was like, and I went along, and and you know, I was willing, I was willing to to start paying back the, the 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 damage for the laptop. And she said, oh, you know, when I brought it up, she said, oh, that that was covered by insurance. There's nothing, there's nothing to pay. And and it and it, it wasn't until afterwards was that I I kind of realised that the, the big part of the harm really was was cutting off that friendship because it's it's just kind of it's indicative of of, of something that I did over and over and over and over again which was to value other people underneath you know my own my own feelings of comfort you know my own my own uh desire to avoid shame and I did that with a, a lot of a lot of friends and you know many many of whom were those relationships would, would were simply a cover for my drinking and they're not people I talk to now because you know it wouldn't it wouldn't it advantage it them in any way to, to, to be part of my life I would be I would be spread too thin but that's but that's what I did I you know I made friends with a lot of different groups so that my drinking wouldn't look too abnormal to anyone uh, and, and as a result I wasn't close to anybody and then and and now I'm able to be and that's it, it's a really beautiful thing a, a similar thing with with my family. Obviously there weren't people that I could, I could cut out of my life entirely, but, but emotionally, I, I, I very much held them at a the distance and you know, didn't include them in my life. And yeah, I had some, I had some uh, incredible experiences with the, with the, with the steps, step nine there, but yeah, that's a, that's another, that's another topic.
0: So Josh. Right. Miles, thanks for sharing your kind of wider experience, but also the step eight bit. I found it really interesting that you see step eight being consumed with 10 on a daily basis because it's not something that you hear people often talk about. People are like, oh, eight gets forgotten because everybody thinks it's part of nine. Or for me, my experience was, you know, my step four really made my step eight quite easy in the way that I had done my step four. So for me, step eight was actually much more about the willingness, but also really understanding what was going to be an appropriate amends to make in what situation. So my step four, I had... A long list of harms that I had done, you know, as part of resentment work and this. For people that are in London, there's a whole part of London sponsorship that's worksheet based. So I went through those worksheets that for each step, some people are very pro them. Some people are very anti them. I'm neither here nor there on them. They got me sober, so I don't really care. But one of the things that I remember was like really doing a lot of work on what was harm. Because if you could identify what harm was like then you could identify where you should be, like where you needed to make an amends. What was an appropriate amends? Cause, you know, and so I think quickly, like the list of harms that I had was a harm is when without justification or overriding cause, I give rise to physical suffering, emotional suffering, loss of money, loss of, or damage to property, inconvenience or other stealing of time. And then the sixth one, is heart of harm is harder to understand it's where I get in the way of another spiritual growth and this takes many forms but there's some examples and like one of the examples is like preventing a crisis when it is in its natural course of things for instance letting unacceptable behavior persist instead of confronting it doing something for someone they should do for themselves and and these types of things and so like really then like blowing out the idea of, okay, where am I drinking harmed people? Where am I drinking got in front of somebody else's opportunity? Like with siblings, quite often the harm to your younger sibling isn't just what you did to them personally, but what you may have put on them by taking your parents away from them or, you know, doing other things. So like having a really holistic picture of that harm and then really having to, for me, the process was I came in with a pretty good list from four. And then I just had to be like, okay, let's find the willingness, let's identify it, and then understand what it would mean, because you can be willing to make the amends, but that doesn't mean you need to make the amends in how you thought when you got willing, which I thought your example was perfect, Miles. Like, you were willing to pay the money, but the that wasn't, that person, that wasn't the issue. Like, it was a different harm that had really been committed. Yeah, I had I had a a, a few like that really,
2: where like, I don't know if I if I even could have known going in what the what the what the amend that I ended up making could look like. Like uh, there's two examples I can think of where close friends that I made amends to for just like just being a bad friend, just like not a, you know not a nice person to be around growing up well maybe that's maybe that's too strong but but you know like having caused harm and and that I think that's really interesting about the 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 way that you were describing harm there it's this it's this really nuanced thing and it's not always something that you can see or even tell and also not something that I stop doing when I when I stop drinking you know like I <laughs> that's that's why that's why it's it, it is important to, to to in whatever way you know, maintain this process of, of 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 step eight, where you're you're acknowledging where you've caused harm where you can and and then become become willing to make amends but, but yeah so I had a, a couple of people who I made the amends to the conversation that we had around you know how I'd been and 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 how the, the sort of the shape that our that our friendship had, had taken, and then later on ended up bringing them to meetings, like whether they you know whether they 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 stuck around or not, and that being the actual element. And and I think it's really interesting what you what you said about getting in the way of of someone else's spiritual growth, and 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 like whether they stick around or not potentially being able to help them along with that as
0: as part of an amend yeah so and i know like every time we talk about step eight we try not to to go into step nine right and it's this, it's a balancing act and it's like anytime you do a, a share at a step meeting they're like oh we're doing six seven or eight you're like oh great these are the ones that like you know i mean i can do a bit better on six and seven eight always a tough one but i think eight is I, i'm just like reading back some of the, the stuff from the 12 and 12 around the uh, 12 steps and 12 traditions. And the word understanding heart, like for me, when I think step eight, I just think about really trying to understand what I did to people. And like one of the, the secrets of the amends world is that there's this thing called a living amends and that there's and a living amends can be that you don't interfere with that person's life. Like, you know, the concept of white knighting into somebody's life is not necessarily a good thing, right? Like the idea that you come in, look at me, I'm sober, I'm this, I'm this. And and yeah, I was crap to you, but like my life's better now. And so often that that is harmful in itself and understanding that process. And that's why, like, for me, you know, I remember there was a lot that I did around what I was not going to do like, because our lives had separated. And, you know, for me, one of the things was with eight and nine and 10 and being continuous, there were people that I didn't have on my initial eight list or on my initial nine list of the amends that I, I went out and made, right. That then after time, there was still something there. And, you know, I, my, my sponsor's like, all right, well, at this point, I think you need to put it out there. You know, and, and it's about you being willing, because maybe they weren't on the list, not because it wasn't right, but because you weren't willing. And so like, there's one that I just put out there, and that's it, never got a response back, never this, but I, 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 that, the willingness was, was sending the message, right? Like, you know, if that person chooses not to then engage, or for whatever reason, that's a different, you know, I, I've done my part, I've done what I could you know, and actually they, them responding, not responding, maybe that they don't want me there. And it would be more harm for me to continue to try to make that amends and force myself on that. So it is, I think there's so much subtlety around this type of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I've got, I've got a situation like that, that, you know,
2: every, every now and then I, I kind of, I, I come across this guy who we were friends like into, you know, from, from when I was in college, like into my early sobriety, and i noticed a few years ago that he had like unfriended me on facebook i have no idea why and there's part of me that that wants to you know really charge in there apologizing for everything left right and center but the fact is that he doesn't he doesn't want me in his life for whatever reason and my you know and 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 i I might i might get to a get to somewhere else with this but like right now if I'm if I'm entirely honest with myself my motivation for wanting to make amends to him is because I don't like the idea that someone doesn't like me you know uh, it's it, it, it it would be a purely selfish thing if I did it now and and you know like I may get I may get more clarity on that and be able to make either an informed approach but but what I what I feel right now is that the best thing is just just let this guy live his life in you know in in the way that he's that he's decided to and it's and it, it is a difficult because I yeah I just I just want everyone to I want everyone to think I'm great yeah <laughs> but they don't uh, infuriating
1: I've loved listening to you guys honestly and yeah a lot of relatability my initial. Step eight was simple because of the way that I'd done my step four. You know, clearly identified people who I'd resented. What's my part on it? Okay, I did this. Is this I should be making amends for this? You know, you know. I think that thoroughness in step four and a really open dialogue uh, in step five was helpful to that. And my sponsor being quite clear where where I had a part. An occasion, where had I not, you know? And when it came around to, when I presented my set, eight list to my sponsor, there were one or two names. And he's like, have you harmed this person? No, but they, they don't talk to me anymore and things like that. It's like, you're not making amends to make friends. That That's not what this process is about. And yeah, removing that name from the list. This is not a, a sort of ego boosting process, he said. Um, and that was really important for me too, you know? I wasn't going there. Yeah, the process of amends is not about making friends. It's about righting my wrongs and things like that. And if there hadn't at the end of the day, if there'd been no wrong, these people maybe just have moved on, you know. So I relate to both of you when you've discussed things like that. I've definitely had a recent thing about amends, which maybe I'll get to talk about a little bit later, but especially about that word amend you know amend being change and I guess that step nine I like to differentiate the to a lot because step nine is a, a thing of I think that people are really brave and it's amazing when people go and make their amends and things but actually for me step eight you know is where my behavior has changed enough my way of thinking has changed enough that I'm willing because has become willing to make amends I'm willing to actually go and accept my part in things and accept my wrongdoing and with Dan mentioned the 12 steps by 12 traditions the preceding step in there step seven is all about humility you know it's all about humility it's a very purposeful I think preparation for becoming willing to make amends to people yeah I'll talk about an experience I had where I guess as I continued working the steps and COVID started to kick in when I was in Singapore, I realised there's more people that belonged on my Step 8 list. And, do you know, I'll say this to any listener who's done their first Step 8 and not had many names on it, It's, it's not a contest, you know, of how many... I hear people pinging off numbers in meetings like... I had 200 people in my Step 8 list. And that was not Josh's story, you know what I mean? But the list has got bigger. And not because I keep harming people, because things get unblocked from my past, you know, as I stay sober. And, um, yeah, yeah, I'd really bullied two people in my first employment, you know, right at the beginning of my employment when I was, like, 17 years old. And I was in Singapore, meant to make direct commends and things like that, but it was an opportunity for me to at least reach out to these people and, like, put out a feeler. And I found one of them. And it was really, really well taken, you know. Really beautiful response from him and stuff like that. I could not find the other guy at all, you know. Fast forward about 15 months, it's now July 2021, I'm in England. A lot of the readings on Step 6 and 7, character defects and stuff, and I'm sharing in meetings that I used to bully someone and things like this, and I've never been able to find them. When I was in Singapore, I had a Huawei phone. When I came back to England, I needed a new phone, I got an iPhone. And I got all these photos and contacts from 2013 to 2014. The last time I had an iPhone, and suddenly I have this guy's number on my phone. I, just astonishing. And it's at the same time I've been sharing about this in meetings and things. And I spoke to my sponsor and my sponsor said, maybe you should write him an amend. And and do you know, I I decided not to, I I wanted to write an approach to make a direct amend. So I was in England at the time, you know, maybe I'd get to do it directly. And I sent this guy um, a message, and this is where I bring it back to step A, saying that I believed I'd been really horrible to him. i contributed to unhappiness, unha- his unhappiness in leaving our service. And I wondered if maybe he'd like to speak with me and I could explain everything to him. And within three minutes, he double blue ticked me on WhatsApp and blocked me. And, you know, I really had to bring it back to step A, where I was like, OK, this is, what, seven or eight years on. I don't treat people like that. I have amended my behaviour, you know. Um, I'm not that bully anymore. I would have blocked the Josh from seven or eight years ago, you know. Um, And that's the thing, he'd not known me all this time. He didn't know anything about me. Yeah, I would have blocked me then. So I wondered, and I asked Miles, I wondered what your experience is with your own behaviour and amending that, you know, as you've gone through the steps and how that's played into your step eight process.
2: So a, a, a really big one for me, my kind of, my main living amend is to do with, and I, I mentioned this before, the, the, the way that I, that I treat my family and the, the relationship that I, have, uh, that I have with them. When, when I was drinking, my, my brother went through cancer treatment and i was 16 17 at the time and i used it as an excuse for for the for the drinking that i was doing at the at the time that i would have been doing anyway and i didn't emotionally engage with the situation and i didn't offer any support to my parents or my sister and last year or no year before last in 2020 my, my brother, my brother was, was fine in the end. Last year in, in, in 2020, I lost my dad to cancer. And, you know, part of, part of it, I believe, is, is, is just growing up, you know, and being, and, and being able to do these things differently. But the way that I was able to offer support and connect with my family and even just be present, you know, like physically there, as, as well as emotionally present, is, is as a direct result of doing all of this stuff, right, you know, of taking inventory, of, of making amends to people, but, but just of having that of built up a practice of regularly communicating with, with the people in my family, which was, which was part of part of the amends, and it, and it meant that I was able to be there and continue to as well, because it's, it, you know, it's, it, it's not one of those things that you can just tick off and be done with. And, and, and you know what? I get a lot out of it. And 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 that's why I do it now. They they are interesting people who I love, and I love talking to, and I love spending time. And and you know what? So am I, because I've amended my I've amended my behaviour.
0: Yeah, yeah, that'd be the main thing. I think the really interesting thing for me around how my behaviour has changed is the most basic one. I'm not drunk and blacked out, and going back to the becoming willing to make amends like because there's you know identifying the harms and then the willingness right and and some of that willingness comes quickly and sometimes it comes really slowly and sometimes you're initially willing and then other times you're not and I have an amends from my first list that's still right here like on my back shoulder I'm willing to take small very small steps forward on it, on a somewhat regular basis, but not tackle it fully. And it's a financial tax thing. And it's, but, but I, I, it's actually something that at this stage of my recovery has, has come to the point where I actually need to get really willing, like I need to just solve it. It's going to become only more and more troublesome. And so while I've done the 12 steps, one of those first willing things has become less willing and then ones that i wasn't willing at all when i first was doing it like came w- willing and got them done right and so it's a it's an interesting thing of of how these evolve but for me you know like i don't know if you did a, a sane and sound ideals at any point during your step 8 or maybe step 4 people do it at different stages but you know that's that change in behavior right like what how am i supposed to act what does this look like? You know, how do I stop harming people? And how do I present my life in a, in a positive way and live within my, you know, financially live within my means, family, show up, listen, do those things, like not be drunk, right? Like the number one living amends I have is that I will not put my family back through what I have done. And the willingness to do that, I find daily, right? And and for me that's really important because it allows me to to live it day by day. Josh, I don't know if you have any thoughts.
1: Yeah, talking about those those ideals, you know. I the way that coming to an understanding of a higher power personal to me has come is setting ideals for what I want that higher power to be, you know, an all loving and all caring God regardless of my sexuality, my my thoughts and my prior fuck-ups you know who is non-judgmental and and non-punishing and such things you know and actually and this is not me saying i am god this is not me saying i want to be god but if they're the sort of ideals i want my higher power to have i should be striving towards those kind of ideals you know love and tolerance patience kindness forgiveness i i i pray every day that i can go about that you know and trying to treat people in that way and yeah, I guess it is a living amends thing too, where I, I've not got to make a direct mention to this chap that I previously mentioned, but I have colleagues today and I try not to treat my colleagues like that today. I have, I, I've studied, you know, I've had fellow students that I try and treat respectfully and things like that, you know, and um, I've got this, this bit on page 78 of the big book underlined, you know, it says, it should not matter, however, if someone does throw us out of his office, We've made our demonstration, done our part. And, you know, it's with regards to that direct amends there, you know, it's, it's kind of something that I have to stop now, you know. If someone blocks you on WhatsApp, you can SMS them. You can call them on the regular phone. And if I were to do that that day, that would have been harassment, you know. <laughs> that would, he's made his intentions rather clear. And I'd just be acting on behaviours again if I tried to carry on. But also what's really important, and the world has... The world is very small you know and if I ever bump into this chap in the street or something you know it's about remaining willing to, to actually if I bump into him I will make amends you know if I bump into him I will make it right to him and got to be something that goes on throughout my life you know I have a friend and he he, he has beautiful recovery Twenty over years, I think twenty-seven years. He, he his sponsor told him to have a, a book, you know, for his eights and nines, and and everyone gets issued a, a whole page in his book and correctly done, you know, the financial men, for example, what is the interest rates with interest, you know, and once he's done it, and and whether it's an immense of person for their harms, is this case closed or is this a continued thing, you know? And I know that for this chat. With regards to reaching out to him when his case closed but i have to remain willing you know i guess part of it's like owing it to him but actually it's owing it to myself you know trying to not be that person anymore and um, that person i was when i was in the mix of alcoholism do you know what i genuinely don't want it anymore i was you know it's funny we've talked about not trying to touch too much on step nine and not trying to go too much on six and seven but when When I was going through the steps the first time, I was really worried about losing these behaviours, you know. How will I, I'm 20-something years old, how do I climb the career ladder if I can't barge people out of the way and go on top of them and push them down? And How will I ever succeed in life if I don't get to do that, if I have to be loving and tolerant to everyone, if I have to make amends every time I hurt someone, whatever, you know. And um, it was something that really worried me as a young man um, at the beginning of, his career as well as sobriety and actually watching the way that I operate in a team and things like that trying to live by these principles it's far easier it's not always easy as in if there's a stressful situation continuing the principles but it's far easier having friends it's far easier getting on with my colleagues and and not having a a tense working environment you know
2: yeah on the the sane and over ideals. I think the I, I I did it as part of my step four, but I I I I only did the we only went through the 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 ideal as part of the sex inventory, and I completely misunderstood it. And it wasn't until after I think a couple of years after I'd done my <laughs> my first one of those that that I realized because someone was sharing about it in a chair that it was an ideal for me, like it was an ideal for my behavior, not for everyone else's behavior. <laughs> you know, it, it, it wasn't a, a wish list of, of things that I wanted in another person, but it was actually an, an ideal for, for how I should be behaving. But I, I, I've since updated it a couple of times because, you, you know, it's, it, it's something that's, that's ongoing and I, and I have realizations about you know about about different ways that I can do harm and different ways that I can do good, and 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 what different situations need as 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 I grow up and as as my sobriety progresses.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. And you know the the sex ideals I remember going through that and actually it's, it's applicable to all of my life. You know. Yes, it's written in that part of the fourth step in a big book, but it's applicable to all of life and how I treat people, the respect I have for, for other people around me and things like that. I wondered, and I wanted to ask you both a question. I'll ask you first, if we were talking with a newcomer or someone like that who's going through the steps the first time, what advice would you give them on their step eight, especially having done it now and lived in it for a few
0: So my first thing about step eight is bring whatever you did in step four with you because you're going to need it. For my advice for a sponsor working with somebody, the best thing my sponsor did when we were doing my step four was like, put an asterisk next to this one. We'll come back to it later. So then when we got to A, he's like, hey, those asterisks. There you go. Let's start with that. So, and I think the other thing is understanding harm, that kind of first bit I talked about and understanding willingness, right? And and being willing, right? We, we talk about it when we first come into the rooms. So think about, you're willing to go to any length. That's what you we talk about when you first come in. And this is where you find out if you are, right? Like for me, my first willingness was like trekking through a, a desolate industrial park in Dubai to get to a meeting when a cab dropped me in the middle of nowhere and I didn't know where the fuck I was. That was, I thought that was willingness. No, willingness is sitting there and writing an approach, right? Josh talked about this. like. Making an approach to someone, putting out an the ether, and you don't know what'll happen. You don't know if there's legal consequences. You don't know if there's personal consequences. You don't know what it is, but you're you know that it. You need to stay sober more than any of that other stuff, right? Now, this doesn't mean to be scary. This doesn't mean you know, if I was talking to a newcomer, I want to be like. But that's what it. That's what this really is, right? That's the test of eight, and it doesn't. You don't need that willingness in one day. Like there's a, a beautiful part of step eight where you pray for the willingness. You work towards that willingness. There may be things that you are not willing for when you start your step eight and you may be, you know, depending on how your sponsors work, like, you know, sometimes you'll make an amends to the people you are willing to. And then after that, like you may get to the point where you're willing on those other ones that you've been praying on, right? Because it is more important to be moving through than to check a box saying, I feel willing on every single thing before I move to the next one. Like. At least that's how I was sponsored. And so that was my experience. So finding willingness is something that grows over time. And as your behavior changes, I think we talked a lot about the harm part and a lot about the amends part. And I think that it's that mental ability to to make the decision. That's the beauty of eight is that you, after eight, you know that when that person says, oh, I'm in London on Thursday or England on Thursday, you're like, oh, cool, I'm going to do this. I have people that my amends is that I will not get involved in their life. But if they start talking to me, that's a different story, right? If they see me on the street, they engage with me. And the ISS is not like they want to continue. I, I need to clear my side of the street. I need to do that amends. I need to, that that situation changes. That's what the willingness is because you don't know what life throws at you. So that's when I think of my advice is you know, take your time, understand the step, get your list, you know, have that first list and make it short because you can always add to it, like find who you're willing and, and move through that. Thank you so much, Tom. What about you, Miles?
2: Yeah, I agree with all of that. And um, one thing I
0: was told was
2: uh, don't go in half cocked, you know, do do the like do the necessary sort of investigation and, and bringing, bringing things from my step four, bring all that information was was really really helpful to me because you can you can put it on your list and it, it might be that after after doing the writing and 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 talking it through with your sponsor that, that there's actually not an amend that that either needs to be made or is appropriate to be made there. But you can still do that work of of, of writing it out, seeing what your harm was is, becoming willing and then and then not doing it. You know, I, I had a lot of apprehension. Um, to even coming into the program partly based on having watched a Seinfeld episode where where someone is going around doing doing step nine and then through the rest of my drinking I would, I would wake up some days being like, oh God that's another thing I'm gonna have to go around and apologize to everyone for and and that thing of, of praying for for willingness like that that genuinely genuinely really helped me with with a lot of those so so yeah I would say don't go half in half cock but also be open to the idea that, that there is more to this amendment that you that you can't see yet you know it, that it may develop into into something something else that either either you need to take action on or or just is revealed to you yeah it can it it can be a really beautiful thing i had an experience making amends to my brother where <laughs> you know at the time neither of us were were emotionally articulate at all but we we met up and we had we had organized to go and see this film together and it was about i don't know if, if you guys know the band the national so the it's it it was a documentary made by the the lead singer of this band brother and and so we we met up for like a coffee before the film and you know i i kind of talked through the the things that i needed to say to him about you know about having having robbed him of peace of mind having robbed him of of, of like a proper relationship with his brother but but not in a <laughs> you know, not in a in a way that not in a way that I would now. You know, I didn't I didn't have a lot of the language now uh, that I have now. I didn't have a lot of the understanding that I have now. And and his response was was you know somewhat blunted. And he wouldn't mind me saying that. You know, he, he he is someone who, while not an alcoholic, has done has done a lot of a lot of work on himself in in those in those years in between now and then. But when we went to see this film, the relationship between the two brothers was like very much reflective of, of I think the things things that we wanted to say to each other and, and there was an understanding of that you know that we wouldn't necessarily like had I not made the you know it, it wouldn't have worked if we just got to see the film you know I the fact that we had had that conversation before opened opened up this this sort of interpretation and I don't know for the for a fact that he that he felt the same way about it but you know for me for me that it was it was just one of those kind of serendipitous things and 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 having made that approach before
0: it it just kind of brought brought out that experience
1: yeah
0: i'd love Mm -hmm. to do a whole podcast on just awkward amends to siblings because i think we (laughs) i got i had one that was like my brother driving me to the airport and I'm just like, cool. I, I I'm flying back to London. I got to make this amends. Here we go. Like, and and he's like, oh, you don't need to make an amends. I'm like, no, but I do. Like, you know, the most classic, like, very early recovery, sibling amends, where both of you are like, well, it's fine. Like, whatever. So yeah, it was it was a good one. Josh, sorry, you were you wanted to come in, and I just had to to cut cut in there. No,
1: no, no. I have a younger sister. I totally relate. <laughs> I am. Um, you know, one thing that, that's not been mentioned is that something I've suggested, I have a sponsor on Step 8 at the moment. And I've just suggested that he break it into three columns, actually. You know, guys or people that you're, you're ready, you could make amends to now. People that you're not so sure about, you know, people that you would struggle to communicate with, you're scared about and things like that. So maybe column. And a never column. A column where you're, you never want to see that person you really do not want to face up to this and things like that and that's totally fine too and like Dan mentioned about as you go through that process of becoming willing and praying for willingness and and actually facing up to some amends and realizing that often it's not nearly as bad as we would imagine hopefully that ne- never column becomes a maybe column and it I've heard that it's a really great way to do it, so that's what I've suggested my sponsor to do. And yeah, God willing, that works for him in the same way that it's worked for me so far.
2: On the awkward family immense topic again, when I when I did the the amend to my dad, he he was decades into into recovery, decades sober, like like thirty odd years or something, and he was absolutely loving it because like you know all the way all the way through my drinking he had not not forced the idea of, of recovery you know like very much made me aware ha- had even brought me to a meeting when I was 17 and and then again told me told me about the meeting you know when I was when I was 20 but but yeah I, I, I met the event I was like do you you know do you have have any questions he was like oh yeah have you uh, you done this have you done that have you made this amend? he was absolutely loving
0: it uh yeah i i have i've the the family ones i've family members i'd done alan on for other family members and so they were like it's just they they've been through the amends before so they're like, uh-huh and next and i was like okay yeah i think we just need to do like josh maybe we just start asking every guest for the most awkward amend story and we really sat in a podcast um, It's a good
1: icebreaker <laughs>
0: So really quickly, like back to kind of the newcomer before we wrap, one question. The difference between sorry and amends is something that people get caught up in. But more in living eight through the rest of your your life, kind of, you know, do you still say sorry to people for things that don't require an amends? Like, do you have sorry in your vocabulary still? Or do you feel like it, you know, always have to go to amends? Because sometimes I've had people new ask like, does this mean like I'm never sorry for anything again? Like where, where do you guys fall on that?
1: I'll go first. Yeah, I say sorry still because that is a part of a lot of people's vocabulary. I've had something this week where I've been immediately confronted with a situation and I needed to apologize to that person. And I said sorry. You see what it's about now is ensuring that I don't do that again, you know, that I I now don't make the mistake that i've made before it was, it was a case of my banter someone not enjoying my joke and i had no idea genuinely no idea and i've looked to myself i've spoken to my sponsor and other core people in my life okay i know that i'm not being a bully it's a mistake here so i've made it right and i will not do it again and this is the immense process but you know my amends with my mom very very quickly Dan. i promise i tried the whole sorry thing on a telephone and I had my phone balanced between my ear and my shoulder as you do while ironing and just started stringing off a load of empty sorries and she said to me you're doing no steps on me and I said and she was like you can fucking wait till I'm in Singapore next month and what we actually did was we sat on the beach together and I don't think I said sorry for anything and we just had the conversation that we'd never had to have about my dad passing of alcoholism and addiction, about my own illness, how it affected her and things like that. I don't think I apologise for anything, but it's a conversation that we never had. And our relationship has just changed so much since. And I've lived with her for the last 14 months and been able to do that. So yeah, sorry is definitely part of my recovery still, because it is part of other people's, but I bring it back to that I really need to be amending my behavior and not making the same mistakes. It's almost pointless if I then go and do it again, you know?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting one because I think there are there are certain things where there are certain kinds of harm that small things where I will I'll probably never stop doing it, right? And like you know, the clumsy in the sense of like like physically clumsy. I have to apologise for that all the time. And and like socially, quite clumsy as well. And and like Josh, you were just saying like sometimes you will make fun of people in a way that is that is supposed that is intended to be an expression of love, really. Because that's you know that's that's part of how I communicate. It's part of how my family has always communicated. And, and even in that situation, even even under those circumstances. You will occasionally make missteps and and have to be sorry, and and sure you can you can always be more careful, but I think just just part of being a being a human being and being part of society and being part of close relationships means means harming people, you know, and being harmed, and and, and sort of open communication around that that acknowledges faults and flaws and 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 good intentions right is that's that's important too yeah look at that.
0: yeah i i think no it's interesting i i like what you say about those things that you'll you'll never probably change you know like being late sometimes i'm just sorry i'm late like i'm sure i could reassess my entire life you know i, I so yeah, sorry is in my vocabulary, in my daily life. In, in amends, I, I tried to stay clear of it. And that's because the, the real amends is a behavior change, right? One, of being willing. Two, of making the approach. Three, of then following through on it. And then living your life that way. That's what the amends process is all about and really the book does a good thing about saying we've said sorry so many times i was sorry i blacked out sorry i was late sorry i was us and it meant nothing because we never changed our behavior if it's for me if it's in daily life and you know it's one of those things you can be sorry for something and you can still use that word but you know to each their own i should be sorry less i'm sure and should be better more but oh well so with that let's move forward and wrap this episode up miles thanks so much for a great episode so far so let's end with what you're grateful for today. I'm
2: just I'm just gonna go with the first thing off the top of my head. I'm looking out the window at this at this this gorgeous hill, sun shining on it. it it's this view. I, I I look out. Sometimes there's cows there, sometimes there's sheep, sometimes there's a couple of cats that creep about and, and kind of sneak up on each other. And I, I could I could watch it. I could watch it for hours. But yeah, that's the thing I'm grateful for right now.
0: For me, I'm grateful today for getting up early. Doing a workout having a simple day like I, I i said at the start i don't do that often and it was really nice so i'm grateful for how my day started and looking forward to continuing it lovely day with my girlfriend so just grateful for that
1: josh i'm grateful for my friendships in recovery and recovery Um, the way that we can talk like we have today you know but tonight i'm going for a big sober night out with some of the gang in london we're doing the meeting we're going for food after and then we're going to some '90s sort of disco thingy. I can't wait. I'm really, really excited for it. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back next week with a new speaker and topic. Please like and subscribe. If you have any questions or feedback about what you've heard today, we would love to hear from you. Uh, you can send us a message on Instagram at Young and Sober Podcast, or you can email us to at Young and Sober at outlook.com that's it for yet another episode we are young and sober